the band didn't know what I was teaching on tonight. I didn't know what the band's playing. What did we just sing? Jesus what? Changes everything. Well, change, here's how it opens, my teaching. Change is a part of everyone's lives. In the last few months, you and I have seen more changes in our life in all the world like never, ever before. Now, I'm going to talk about tonight basically one thing, change, change, growing us spiritually. Let God speak to you as I teach tonight because it fits right from that song right to the end when we share communion together. Now, let me give you a little history about changes. We started our church back in 1992. From the very first week we started, we had to experience all kinds of changes. We had a place to meet before we even met the first Sunday. And I called them and said, we're ready to meet on Sunday. And they said, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we made a mistake. You have no place to meet. That was like two days before we were going to meet, opening the church. And so I went and got opened the door. We went to the Hilton. And I said, do you have a room we could rent with two days' notice? And she said, are you from Calvary Chapel, Merritt Island? I said, yeah, we're just starting a church on here. Yeah, I'll get you a room. And that's where we started. So right from the beginning, there was all kinds of change happening. Now, over the years, I'd like to say to you, no more change. No, that's not the way it works. We, changes continued, and they've never stopped since that day 28 years ago. Now, God was changing so many lives that we needed to change our meeting places. We rented different places many times, having to move to different places to, to fit the people in. And then that was basically setting up every single time before we could even meet. So those changes went on and on. Then finally, God opened up land where basically we are here right now for our church family. And then as we did that, we began building a number of buildings on this land and knew that God would continue to add people so we had a plan for future growth. Because the growth continued, we didn't only just add on here, we opened a campus in Vieira, change, a campus in Sebastian, change. And after all of those, Pastor Chuck, who started the Calvary Chapel way back in the 70s, he had a famous saying all the time. You see it on the overhead. This is what we learned as we went through this. Notice what it says. Blessed are the flexible. They shall not be broken. Well, I just want to say a thank you. Now, all of you, of course, haven't been here the whole 20 years, but many of you have. I want to say thank you to our church family at all of our campuses. You've been positive in attitude. You have been teachable. You have not been afraid to be flexible, to do whatever God wanted. We, 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 you haven't been griping and complaining and fussing. No, we, we just flew together as a family. And God has helped us to maintain through all those changes that continue right now. Hello, look what's been happening in the last few months. We've never done this like before at all. But we have people just stepping up, you guys stepping up, inviting people and all that. So I just want to say thank you so much because we're able to stay on mission. God knew that. Now, I want to share with you another big change that has planned for our church family. Here it is on the whole overhead. This is what you have been waiting for. The reopening 
of our church campuses, all three of them, will be the weekend of June 20 and 21. Now, everything we've worked on will be sent to you. Next week, we will have the guidelines starting the first of the week, Monday or Tuesday. They will come out to you either in an email or on our website, of course, and of course, then uh, through Facebook, any of the social media, we will let you know what's happening. Now, let me just say this. The guidelines you receive will basically answer everything that you really know about coming back. Now, of course, you know there's going to be have to be social distancing. So we'll be limited in all the campuses to the number of people that can come. But we're blessed in one way because we have three different services. In fact, even one of our churches, which is a smaller building in Sebastian, may have to add an additional service so we can take care of the people. Now, during this time, we will maintain the distancing of six feet, and also it will be touchless. But you'll see all of those as we do this. Now, in case you wonder, of course, we're going to continue doing all of the services, not only live, but online as we've been doing for the last few months. Now, let me just share with you a couple things, because change is not easy for any of us sometimes. I can just say this. Some of you may be unhappy with one or two of the guidelines that we put in, uh, but understand these guidelines are basically focused on you, the people of our campuses. We want to keep our church family safe, we want to keep you healthy, and we want to keep you joyful. So, so I'm just asking you, please be patient as we make these transitions. And even after we do it the first weekend, we probably will have a few things that we'll have to adjust for the other weekends. That's just all part of it. You have to understand that's what happens with change. We don't have it perfect, but we will have it fixed for you. So I'm just asking you to be flexible, thankful, because many churches around the United States right now can't even open yet. You know that. And God has blessed us in this state that we can open. And once again, we can meet together. Can't wait to see you. Now, sorry, can't hug you, but I can just keep my smile to you. And that's basically the way we're going to do it. But it's going to be a great time when we get back together. Now, as we go through the teaching this weekend, we're going to focus on the changes in the life of Saul, who grows and eventually becomes the apostle Paul. I will interchange his names through the teaching so you'll understand as we move. Now, here's a couple things you need to write down. The first one is simply this. Here's our title. Here's our title for the weekend. Using change to grow spiritually. Now, what do I have to do if I'm going to change? Well, you see it right here. We have to be teachable. And we have to be flexible. That's the only way you can really change. Otherwise, all of us would be miserable with it, griping, complaining. No, we must be teachable and flexible. Saul's going to have to do that. Wait till you see all the changes that come in his life. Now, we saw last week that Saul was on the road to Damascus. You remember the whole story. He was out killing Christians. He was putting them in prison. He was murdering them. And he was going to Damascus to grab some more Christians 
and that were Jews that had become followers of Jesus and take them back to basically Jerusalem and to put them in jail. But all of a sudden, there was a light from heaven, and that was God's light. It knocked him down. He had been walking for a long time to get to Damascus, and then he heard a voice. And the voice was Jesus saying, why are you persecuting me? And he named the name Saul, Saul, to get his attention. Now, you remember when the that, that kind of uh, inter interchange went through, at the end of this, Saul said, uh-oh, I've been wrong the whole time. I thought I was promoting God. I was persecuting God. So he became a believer right at that part, at that part, asking God that he would follow him as Savior and Lord. And as you go through all of that, here's change number one, huge change for Saul to become Paul. Look on the overhead. Paul changes, and he becomes a Christ follower. Can I just say to you, the greatest change that any person in the world can experience is the change of becoming a Christ follower. There's no change that's bigger than that because that change removes our sins, gives us a brand new start in life, and gives us the guarantee of heaven forever. Now, let me just say this to you. As you're watching this weekend from different places around the world and here, if you are not yet taking that first change of becoming a Christ follower, you may know about God. You may even believe in God, but you've never asked him to be your personal Savior and Lord. Well, toward the end of the service, we will ask you and give you that great opportunity to do that. Now, so Paul has made that change, but there's other things that are going to happen, as you can imagine, and here's what we're going to see. There'll be more growth changes as it happens in my life at all. Now, what is, what is Saul at this point? He's, a, he's, a, he's an older man, not that old. But you know what he is? He's a baby Christian. He's a brand new baby. And he, 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 he doesn't really know a lot. We'll see that in a moment. But he's going to have to grow. And I'll show you how that's going to work. Later, as Paul moves in his life and becomes, as you know, he wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament, he will understand the importance of growth over and over. Not, not physical growth but spiritual growth, to be more like Jesus. Now, let's just take a look at a couple things I have for you because you want to see this. Now, take a look at this. Spiritual growth, moving beyond the baby stage. Now, some people say, well, Pastor Mark, what is spiritual growth? Do I have to memorize the Bible? Uh, what are you talking about? Do I have to wear certain clothes? No, no, no. Spiritual growth is an ongoing process, ongoing, never stops, to be more like Jesus over and over and over. And when we begin to do that, we realize that our dependence on God is the only way that I'm going to get through this life because there's so many changes. I can't do it myself. Saul understands that now. He was trying to do it with his own wisdom, his own religious background. Didn't work. But now he's dependent on God. And 
He is submitting to God to do one thing, simply follow Jesus. Now, so here's change number two. Paul will go, grow spiritually, and here's how it begins, and becomes a disciple of Jesus. Now, a disciple, this is just simply the definition I use. A disciple, and notice the key word, is a lifelong learner under discipline. Now, what does that mean? Well, in my life, I I don't want to just be a convert. I have to move past that. And it's a lifelong thing, becoming like Jesus. And I'll show you what that looks like in just a second. But I have to be a learner. I need help understanding what that growth actually looks like in my life. Now, what are the three keys? I don't have it on the overhead, but just you, if you've been here, you understand these. Number one, I need to think like Jesus. Now, how am I going to do that? Well, you read the Bible. This is God's mind. This is how we think. And the second thing is this. I need to minister like Jesus. Jesus went. He touched people's lives. He ministered to them. He brought them to salvation. He healed them. He encouraged them. He gave them hope. That's what we do. We minister to people. And that's what a church is about, ministering to hurting people so that they can become a convert, but then move on to become a disciple. The third thing is this. Maybe one of the biggest, to be like Jesus. Now, what does that mean? The character of Jesus. Now, none of us will ever arrive in any of those areas. But character is huge because what you see, you get. And there's not hypocrites out there. So those three things show us how we can be like Jesus. Now, here's the danger. Some people who become converts, they simply become satisfied. Oh, praise God, Pastor Mark. I became a Christian. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. This is fantastic. I have my life insurance for heaven. Wow, great. Where do I turn that in? No, that's not how it works. God is not interested just in a conversion. He's interested in a growing disciple, person that becomes more like Jesus. So I can't be satisfied just by being converted, a baby Christian. And you're going to see Paul never stops there. And Jesus challenges us with that. Here's what Jesus said when he calls his disciples. Look on the overhead. Look what Jesus says. Follow me. He doesn't put a period there. Follow me and become like me. You see, that's the growth. It doesn't happen overnight. In fact, all of us, as you know, I've been a Christian basically 71 years. I'm still in the process of growing spiritually in my life. Now, when you see Paul begin his excitement, remember, he has now been healed. He is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's in Damascus. And there's a church of many Jews, of course, in Damascus. Look at Acts, turn in your Bibles, Acts chapter 9, verse 20. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus, (laughs) this is amazing to me, is the son of God. See, Paul was a very religious 
highly educated man, especially in the Old Testament. But now, everything, and you'll hear this word all night, has changed. Paul is a new convert. He has very little knowledge in the teachings of Jesus because he didn't believe in Jesus. And when he thinks about this, how in the world is he going to say and teach that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, I believe that what happened is the Holy Spirit brought knowledge back to him that he may have heard through Stephen or someone else talking about Jesus or maybe around town, town, even though he didn't believe in Jesus. So he comes back, and one of the things for sure that would help him was this. He absolutely knew the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah, but he rejected it was Jesus of Nazareth. So he would know some of the prophecies, and the Jews in the synagogue would know them as well. So when a person becomes a Christ follower, his or her unsaved friends will notice a change. If I become, let's say I'm not, I'm not a Christian, and I've, I've never really been a Christian, and I live a life that's kind of normal, sinny, doing my own thing, doing whatever, and all of a sudden I become a Christian, I become born again. God changes my life. Well, in a short period of time, things in my life that I used to do, they will totally change now. Not weird. They're still actually changing to be a Christian is the greatest thing in the world. I just have to give up some things. Now, as, as my life changes, and I'm not putting like a holy hat on, my life changes. My friends who are not believers, guess what? Eventually, they're going to notice. What, what, what's happened in your life? What was the change in your life? And this is exactly what's going to happen with the Apostle Paul. His life has changed so drastically they're going to see. They can't believe it. They can't believe it. But see, this gives us an open door to share with other people who really haven't come to Christ. They're going to say, how are you doing with that? Is it okay? Well, watch what happens here. This is so huge in our lives. Now, understand this. What does Paul say in his first time in a Jewish synagogue? He says this. He's teaching the Son of God that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Well, they've never heard that before. And so all of a sudden, he's given his what? His personal testimony. I'm sure he probably enlarged that, explained it. Here's the first thing you want to write. Our best testimony is how God changed us. I have my own personal testimony of how God changed me. So do you. That's the easiest thing to do is to share that testimony. So here's change number three in the Apostle Paul. Paul learns the power of his own testimony. He is living a changed life already. Now look at verses 21. What's the response going to be in that synagogue? Look at verse 21. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Hey, isn't this the man who used to raise havoc in Jerusalem among those who called out this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? 
Well, it's exactly why he was there. He had a reputation. They knew why he was in town. But this totally offsets them. Think about that huge change in his belief and actions. Saul, who is now Paul, has only been a Christian maybe a week. But look what he's doing. He's no longer capturing people and putting them in jail, Christians, or getting them basically in prison. What's he doing? He's trying to get more Christians to become followers, people to become followers of Jesus Christ, become born again. Now, when you see this, this change is proof that he's really saved. He's not mincing words. He basically said, what did he say? He's there. He's preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. They can't believe it, the Jewish people. Now, what does a true believer look like? You know who would write it? You got it. Paul, look at it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has become. There's the change. My old lifestyle is gone. Here's the new. Now, you know I like to use this statement. If something changes, I can you shout it out off at your homes. Something changes. Something changed in Paul's life, and something is going to change in many other lives as he begins to share and share the gospel. Now, the Jewish people in the synagogue had never seen a person's change that quick. Never. They simply are saying to themselves, how in the world did that happen? That doesn't make any sense at all. He's been soaked in the Jewish religion, and it's changed basically in a week. Now, next we see that Paul proved that anybody can be changed by God. And that's for all of you that are watching and listening this weekend. It doesn't matter about your past. We talked about that last week. One of the worst people in the world was Saul killing Christians because he hated Jesus. So anybody can start over as he did. Look at verse 22. Yet Saul, circle this in your Bible if you have one, writing. Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Now, how would he prove that? Well, I think it's very simple. He had a real encounter with Jesus who he didn't believe in. He thought Jesus was in a grave. But the light came, and then the voice came. He knew he'd had an encounter with a real person called Jesus. And he was not in the grave. He was in heaven. Now, when you see that, he also had been filled and healed. He knew that was God when Ananias came and touched him. So he absolutely knew. He was there. He was powerful. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, notice it says in that verse, he grew more and more powerful. What does that mean? Well, he never understood this either, but he will later. He was trying to do his life without Jesus in his own strength. But when Jesus came and he said to his disciples, 
What I had, you're going to have to have. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said to his disciples, go wait in the upper room. And you will receive the power of God. You know what? Acts chapter 1.8. And as you receive the power of God, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will then be witnesses around the whole world for me. Well, that's exactly what Paul had. After he is blind, his eyes were opened. God healed him. He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's boldly now witnessing in front of Jewish people who don't get it at all. But he's just proved himself that he's no longer depending on himself. He's depending on God, the Holy Spirit, in his life to be bold and sharing the gospel and prove that the Messiah is the true Messiah. Now, Paul later would write about that power. Look at Philippians 4.13. I have it on the overhead for you. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul loved to talk about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. Keep on being filled. Keep on being filled. He understood that. So Paul's life is going to be based on continuing to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He set his own strength and own wisdom aside, took the wisdom of God and the strength of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's an application for all of us. God can change us, like he did Paul, in any area of our lives. Any area. If you have something you struggle with, look what it says. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Pastor Mark, I don't know if I can last much longer with this coronavirus and all the, the, the things that are happening. Man, the jobs and what. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. God will give you hope. He's with us in the storms. We all have storms. Those storms are growing us as we shared a few weeks ago. And you'll see this in the life of Paul exactly the same. Now, He's growing fast. Why could he be growing fast? I don't know the whole story to that, but I'm going to give you two things. Here's the first one. You remember what happened? Saul and the Jews who hated Stephen, who was a believer, Holy Spirit believer, and he explained the Old Testament and the prophecies about Jesus to the Jewish people, and they hated him. But Saul was there listening the whole time. And he was proving that Jesus was the Messiah. But in the end, and he went to the prophecies in the Old Testament, but in the end, what happened? They stoned Stephen to death because they called him basically no longer a Jew. You're goofed up with some false teaching. And Saul was there agreeing to it. But see, he couldn't get now, he has to say, Stephen was right, and I was wrong. That will humble you. And he also heard Stephen say, God, don't hold the stoning against these people. Now, you can't do that in your own strength, because Jesus did the very same thing. He did it by the strength of God. Now, the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute Paul's proof that he was the Messiah. Amazing. What a miracle for a brand new baby Christian. But remember, he's growing, he's growing, he's growing. Now, here's point change number four. Paul grows spiritually by proving Jesus is the Messiah. Now, here comes a very interesting part 
in the life of Paul. Look at verse 23. After many days had gone by. So there's a break where he's at. And you're going to see what that break looks like. And I'm going to go through it very quickly for you. How many of you remember taking some kind of private lesson when you were younger? Maybe a one-on-one kind of private teaching on on music, playing the piano, a sport, uh, 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 something at school, maybe a cooking class. You did all that. Actually, for me, uh, when I was in college and places like that, I had private lessons earlier than that on the piano, some on the trumpet, and even golf. But really, not any of those took for me. I just had that private lesson, but it didn't really work. Now, Paul will really grow spiritually by a private lesson. Look at me. Three years of private lessons. Now, where in the world is that going to come from? What is that going to look like? After his conversion, Paul doesn't go back to Jerusalem yet, but he's to be taught by the apostles. But he is directed to Arabia by Jesus. And that town, that area was close to Damascus, where Jesus taught him for three years private lessons. Look what Galatians 1.17 says. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Now, all of his life, Paul had been raised to think and act as a devout Jew. In fact, Paul said that he was he excelled as a Jew. He was at the top, man. And remember who taught him? Gamaliel, one of the greatest guys on the Sanhedrin. He just, he was brilliant. But now, he's thinking totally different. He had to have a change in his thinking. Remember, if we have a change in our thinking, it's going to change our living. And that's what he needed to do. God knew that Paul was a young man filled with zeal who wanted to share the gospel by teaching. He already started it. But God knew Paul needed a time of retraining and rethinking. Now, he would enter the school of Jesus to learn how to grow spiritually and mature. He didn't have anybody else to teach him. He would learn that. Let me read you his verse that he writes in Galatians. If you want to look it up later, it's Galatians 1. 11 and 12. Here's what it says. Paul writing, I want you to know, brothers, talking to the church at Galatia, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. It wasn't me. I just didn't come up with these teachings. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ himself. So, all through the Bibles, we see people being discipled by God one and one. Moses, Abraham, the disciples, three years one by one with Jesus as they walked with him every day for three years. Well, here, you're going to see the same thing. Jesus is going to disciple Paul For three years, growing him in the things of God, getting his mind straight, taking the things that he's mixed up with and growing him. And, of course, that's why the wonderful messages 
the books that he wrote through the New Testament are so powerful. So here's point number five, change number five. Here it is. Write it down. Growing in intimacy with God and the knowledge of God. That's the change he's having. He's now growing in intimacy with God. He only had it once on the road to Damascus. But now he's growing in that. And also, it's the knowledge that Jesus is going to be able to teach him. Now, let's talk about private lessons from God. The psalmist says it like this. Be still and know that I am God. All of us need times of seclusion, meditation, simply being alone with God. In those quiet moments that God speaks to us in our quiet time, he speaks truth to us. He speaks volumes to us. He, he wants to speak to us, but often we don't take time at sit at his feet and learn from his word. We're just too busy. But three years, I'm not saying we have to do that for three years, but we should be doing it on a pretty much of a daily basis, spending time and hear God. Look what the psalmist says, Psalmist 16, 8. I have set the Lord continually before me. Notice the word, continually. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So here's what I want you to write. And I want you to think about your own quiet time. I had to think about my own quiet time when I started reading this. This private three years with Jesus really spoke to me. Look at our quiet times with God teach us and grow us to be more like Jesus. That's what I need. That was one of the great signs of maturity. Not a brand new believer, but a growing person in a spiritual realm. Now, you and I know that sometimes traditions are hard, habits are hard. We're raised with certain ideas and perceptions. But when a person becomes a Christ follower and he gets in the word and spends time with that, our thinking begins to change. Because again, this is the mind of God. And I know what God's thinking. Now, many times I've taught this series before. Take a look on the overhead. I'll explain it to you. Look what you see. Come apart. That's our quiet time. That's our quiet time with God. In the morning, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, a little Bible, prayer time, prayer requests that you have with God, listening to God speak to you. Come apart, spending time alone with God. That's the option that actually Paul was doing. That's what you and I want to do. But I have another option. If I don't spend time alone with God, here's the other option. Or come apart, the disaster from doing life alone without God. Now, understand what that means. If I take time to sit at the feet of Jesus, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever your habit is, on a routine basis, I'm going to learn from God. He's going to direct me. He's going to encourage me. He's going to answer the prayers that I give. But if I'm not doing that and I'm doing my own life, you know what happens? My life, watch this, my life is going to come apart. All kinds of things are going to go wrong. Why? Because I'm trying to do life without God. It will never work. So that's why Jesus made sure that he would call 
That's a big change. He has to be flexible. He's leaving Damascus, and he doesn't even know where he's going in Arabia. But he was flexible. He wanted to follow Jesus. So he calls him there, and he spends three years teaching him to be like Jesus and a great pastor and a great writer of the Bible. Now, you know this verse well. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. That's why we have to have a quiet time with God. Call to him. Call out to him. Praise him. Now, let's go back to Acts 9, 23. After many days had gone by, he's back in Damascus. The Jews, look at this verse, conspire to kill him. After three years in the school of Jesus, Paul goes back to Damascus, but the unbelieving Jews there, they hate him, and they want to kill him. Now, you talk about a change. He's trying to do the right thing and promote God and Jesus. Now he's facing possible death. Well, that's what happens in life. All change isn't good. Is he alone? No, he's not. He's with God. He's a follower of God. God promised never to leave him. Well, Paul used to be their hero in that synagogue. Now, now he is basically an unbelieving Jew. He's a renegade to them. You used to kill Christians. What are you talking about? You become one and you want us to become one? Not a chance. We're getting rid of you because you're going to start destroying Judaism. We will not stand for it. So what's Paul going to do? Would this be the end of his ministry if he dies? Is it over? You mean those few weeks plus the three years? It's done for Paul? Well, look at verse 24. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night. They kept close watch on the city gates, look at the motive, in order to kill him. This wasn't a little light thing. Day and night, they're livid. They're going to get rid. They're going to kill Paul. But watch what happens. Somehow, God got Paul aware of what they were doing. Now, God knew they were doing the whole thing, but Paul didn't know it. They were hiding this. They were going to surprise him and just kill him. But God got Paul's attention. We're not sure exactly how he did that. He was aware of these dangerous plans. So Paul realizes at this point, wow, since he became a follower of Jesus, there's some spiritual warfare out there. He thought, man, I'm not used to that. Is that. Does that really come with the Christian's life? Well, of course, because you've changed kingdoms from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. And he also realizes when you start teaching about Jesus, Satan hates it. And that was happening in his life. So Paul is going to be protected by Jesus so that his teaching will go on and his life will not end. Look at verse 25. But his followers, but his followers, Paul's disciples, look at me for just a moment quickly. Over this short period of time, what does he have? In that synagogue, he has some converts already. Not the ones that are going to kill him, but he has disciples. People that go, that guy's right. That change is real. Wow, that's amazing. I want what you have, Paul. 
and he shared the gospel with them. So notice what it says. His followers. He's already a leader. He has followers. And it says this. They took him by night and lowered, lowered him in a basket through an opening in a wall. So what does he have to do? He has to get out of, out of town to save his life. But God did it. Now, when you think about that, the Old Testament is filled with promises that God would protect us in those areas. I will rescue you, Psalm 51, those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them, and I will reward them with a long life. Here's change number six. This dangerous trial would grow Paul's faith in Jesus. You see, this very dangerous trial will grow him. God's plan for Paul was not over. You and I can relax is the same thing. Sometimes when we see these kind of things, we get afraid. Let me just say this to you as kindly as I can. When God is through with us here on earth, it's time for us to go. I don't know how that will be for anybody. Look at Stephen. What a young life. You say it wasted. No, it wasn't wasted at all. Had a huge effect on Paul, which would change the whole New Testament. But see, when my time is gone and your time is gone, and, and God says, okay, your time is in my hands. It is. We'll go to heaven. I, I don't know when that is, but we never are fearful of dying. Now, we don't like the physical part of it, but we're not ever fearful of the physical, excuse me, of the spiritual, because there is no more fear. God defeated death. And we will be in heaven forever. When you think um, you're getting afraid and you're scared, just remember, our hands are in God's hands. He takes care of us. And when we're done, by the way, Paul later will say, should I stay here? Well, I'd really rather go to heaven. Now, why would he say that? Because he had a glimpse of heaven. We'll see that as we go through Acts. But he said, God, if you want me here, then I'm going to still minister here. But one day I'm going back there. I'm going to get the real tour, the whole thing. So same for you and I. Maybe through all these storms, you're, you're fearful again. Forget the fear. Go back to the faith. You already know where you're going. You're a Christian. That's what we want. We want to be a person that's useful right here. And until he's done with this, then when he's done with this, we're going to go to heaven. And by the way, we'll see each other there. There won't be six foot distancing. We won't have to wear a mask. We will be in paradise. Praise God. Now, Paul later would talk about growth. And I won't take a lot of time to talk about it. But let me just read one part. Paul says this. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. See, Paul would not live in the past. He's not going to go and worry about this crazy time. He's going to be free. By the way, next week as we move on, we'll talk about Paul. We'll talk about Peter. What you're going to see, he's going to have two more times that people are trying to kill him. His life was filled with those kind of threats. But he knew he was protected by God until his time was up. Paul knew that spiritual growth required on going changes, on-growing changes. Can I remind you of this one? 
Change requires us to be teachable and flexible. So we will obey God and follow God. Now look at me. Where God guides, excuse me, where God leads, we follow. We're followers of Jesus. Where he leads, we simply follow. And that's exactly what Paul is doing. He's growing. He's maturing. He's becoming like Jesus. He's thinking like Jesus. He's ministering like Jesus. Wow. Now, today we learn that Paul's life totally changed. Totally changed. Because he chose Jesus to be a Savior and Lord. Some of you are watching me. Uh, uh, this whole weekend on different, different places where you're at. And, and you, you might be saying, I'd like God to change my life like that. Well, I can assure you that God is ready to do that today. Now, how, Pastor Mark, how can you say that? Because today, the Bible says, is a day of salvation. You see, here's how God will change you. God wants you, and I, I'm going to pray a little prayer for you. I want you to read that prayer as I read it. You just say it with me. You're going to ask God to forgive you of your sins. You're going to put your faith in Jesus Christ because you know he's the master. And he's the one, the only one that can change your life. And what also with that is going to come is your sins are going to be forgiven. You're going to be guaranteed to go to heaven. But see, you have to ask him. The work is already done. He died on the cross for you. Now, some of the rest of you, you used to follow Jesus. You know the whole story I've gone through. But somehow, you stopped following God. God was leading, but you did your own thing. You got off the road. Well, come on back. Tonight, this weekend, in every service, here's what you can do. You can make a recommitment. Say, God, I'm tired of doing it alone. I want to grow and become more like you. And all I'm going to do is ask you to pray the same prayer, and God will change your life tonight, and absolutely, you'll be a changed person and it will, as we started with, the greatest change any person can ever have is to become a follower of Jesus Christ. That is truth right from the Bible. Now, if you want to receive that free gift from God, let me read you a verse, and then I'm going to pray a prayer for you. Here it is. Romans 10. That if you, it's personal, Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe, believe is an action word that produces obedience, in your heart, remember, it's a heart issue, it's not a head issue, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you want your sins forgiven and know that you'll spend eternity in heaven, just bow your head right now and quietly pray this prayer under your voice, and I'll lead it. Here we go. Jesus, just repeat that. I know I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. And right now, I turn from my sins, and I choose to follow you as my Savior and as my Lord. Come in and change my life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me of all my sins. Today, I receive your gift of salvation. And I look forward 
to a life of change, freedom, forgiveness, security, and of all things, purpose and hope. Thank you for saving me.